Marco on the normal radio. Free weed. Free weed. Oh, yo. Danny Danko come to show you how it goes. You're now tuned in to Free Weed from Danny Danko on normal radio. All right. Welcome to episode 88 of High Times Presents Free Weed from Danny Danko. As always, thank you to Winstrong and DJ Jacques for the wonderful tune. Uh, Mike, here we are. We're here, 88. 88. We're going to talk about news, uh, all kinds of cannabis news that's happened in the past, international and local. Uh, we're going to talk with an old friend, Ricky Powell, a uh, famous photographer here in New York City, uh, a ganja aficionado and um, a friend of the Halfling's Leaf. So we'll be talking with him. And we have our cultivation segment with our strain of the fortnight and questions and answers from you guys and what's the cultivation section uh, uh, we do a little fill in the blank about harvesting that's right yeah. harvesting which is perfect for right now so shout out to you guys if you're harvesting right now hope you're growing free weed hope you're enjoying free weed and stick around because we'll be right back all right free weed 88 we are kicked into gear it's 88 Time to set it straight. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I do. I know what you're saying. Ain't no half-stepping. Nope. Full <laughs> full steps. So what do you say we take a look at some of the news, some pot news? Lord of mercy. <laughs> I'll take that as a yes. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay, news so one. we are uh, – we live in America, but our neighbors to the north just had a monstrously huge election. Yes. And they kicked Stephen Harper out of office and they welcome Amazing. in – Justin Trudeau. Congratulations, 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 Canada. Yeah, that's nearly 10 years of Stephen Harper's oh, uh, Bush-like reign up yeah, there. Yeah, and it would have just gone on and on. And so uh, thankfully they did that. I mean they ran uh, a really kind of mean – like Harper ran a pretty mean campaign well, you know what's against interesting? the Niqab and against uh, legalizing pot. And that's the thing. Like he made this, this – he, he made, made this election it. about pot. Oh, yeah. So Trudeau is going to legalize. Right. And, and uh, Harper went on uh, the campaign trail saying that pot is is infinitely worse for you than tobacco. <laughs> Crazy so, idiot. So, hey, he Thank lost. Thank God. Hey. And now Trudeau and the liberals are going to legalize pot. Up in Canada, so it's going to be like a Colorado-style um, rec sales with taxation wow. going to the government. Um, oh, very excellent. exciting. Yeah, that's really great. Um, and, you know, the liberals took took over the uh, – whatever it is, the parliament or whatever it's called there too as yeah, well. So we're going to see election. some great changes. And I think, uh, you know, again, um, you know, going back to my rant from last week or the week before, <laughs> this is what voting does. You know, all of you people who don't vote, you know, uh, it means you don't count. So get out there and vote. Um, major changes happen. I mean, it, there's a difference between Trudeau and Harper, and you're, gonna, oh, yes. you're, about, to, you're about to witness it. I mean, he already pulled some of the uh, uh, airplanes, Canadian airplanes, out of uh, Iraq. And, you know, I mean, yeah, you had 10 fighter instantly, jets uh, yeah, in the Middle instantly East. Instantly already Obama. making you know, positive changes. So um, kudos to you guys up north in the Great White North for uh, changing your government and changing your policies and hopefully taking a step in the direction of sane uh, cannabis policies. Absolutely. And we should also mention that this was just an utter whooping. Uh, he got <laughs> took behind the shed on this one. The Liberal Party just just destroyed uh, Harper and the Conservatives. So, I mean, how, Tories, much do you, how much do you think people came out because of the pot issue and voted that may may not have voted had they not 
just been well, pushed I, into it by outrage over Harper's I, idiocy. I think it's disingenuous to say that this was entirely about pot, but right. I really do think Harper tried to make that one of the dividing issues mm-hmm. uh, in his campaign, and uh, he lost it very soundly. Yeah, it definitely backfired. So, you know, you have to remember. Uh, some of our listeners may not be old enough, but 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 over a decade ago, Canada was considered a sort of a, a liberal beacon. Yeah, you know they were like the um, the liberal uh, alternative to mm-hmm. our conservative nature, and mm-hmm. you know they had a very um, uh, very far reaching and excellent medical pot program that they were early in adapting to, and um, and it all went to hell in the last ten years under Harper. So yeah, I think that you can't deny that this has something to do with the rejection of his views on pot and a lot of other things as well. Yeah, and you know his uh, dad was prime minister, and at that time Trudeau, yeah, yeah. Trudeau's dad, mm-hmm. and uh, you know partied with the Stones, and, right? Yeah, <laughs> famously, so. Yeah, I'm sure uh, that didn't uh, hurt him. He, his <laughs> father has a really great image in, uh, with the Canadians. So, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, congratulations, you guys. And uh, hopefully we see many positive changes happening as quick as possible. It seems like that's, uh, they've committed to that. So that's, that's amazing. It's very cool. So, yeah, I'm, I'm so happy that we don't have to hear about Harper and his, his idiocy <laughs> any longer. He was their Bush, right? I mean, he's He like, was their Bush, yeah. Horrible. Yeah, yeah. Horrible. It was uh, Tony Blair, Stephen Harper, and George Bush kind of just get, all at once. Good riddance. So, good riddance. To, to yeah. them all. Indeed. Okay, so I'll that's a great story. Stand on their graves and tamp the dirt down. <laughs> Is that too extreme? No, Maybe if you extreme. if you were going to say you're going to take That's a... That's Elvis Costello reference. I'm not actually going to do that. Right. No. They're not dead either, so... Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Not yet. That's a great story. This also is a, a heck of a story. <laughs> uh, this is like... Okay. Sort of a most interesting man in the world type situation here. We got this guy. His name is uh, Marshall Dion, I think is how it's pronounced. In 1985... This guy crawls away from a plane crash as thousands of dollars in cash sort of rain down on him. Wow. And he's, he's uh, caught by authorities crawling away from this wreck. He survived it. A few years later, he gets busted with nearly 300 pounds of pot. Now, at the age of 80, he's facing five to seven years in federal prison for selling as much as 22,000 pounds of weed over the last 23 years. Wow. He is the most interesting man in the world. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's a shame that so much effort was taken to uh, take this guy down. I mean, <laughs> well, um, yeah, he got he was driving in, in Kansas of all places. So there's your lesson. Don't drive there. Uh, and he got caught with eight hundred thousand dollars in this beat up pickup truck. And that led to this really big federal investigation where they found uh, 400 pounds of weed and a million dollars, 11 million dollars in cash. And uh, so apparently he's going to take a plea deal. He's fighting that, though. He claims that he did not give them permission to search his his uh truck he has a great quote here um there's no way the officer could have known if i was speeding even if i was which i wasn't and there's no way i would have agreed to assert to my property so hopefully wow. he skates on this but interesting guy 80 years old responsible for selling twenty-two thousand pounds of pot yeah well i mean i feel like they can't bust him for that i mean they can only technically really bust him for the pot that he the had pot that the he has which yeah. is significant 400 significant, pounds but then once you start going into the past and i don't know i just think that's there's got to be a fair. statute of limitations there mm-hmm. right since yeah. 1992 for god's sake and sakes. it's a non-violent offense you know i mean this guy you know you're gonna put him in jail for what you know it's it's all none of the none of it makes sense to me but you know i mean the law is the law and you know these guys are cowboys sometimes and Sometimes you got to pay the price for that. I think it's shitty, and I don't think it should happen. And hopefully the laws will change, and guys like that will be free. And 
you know, I mean, all he really is is an entrepreneur. You know, he figured out a way to make some some money and make a good living, tax free, and and you know, I don't know. Apparently, whatever. it kept it's him it. young. I mean, not too many eighty year olds I know are traipsing around the country and uh, staying active. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yes. So a cool story there, and uh, we hope that he actually beats that rap because it does sound like a uh, a bit of a the, the search seems a little off to me, but we'll yeah. see. Apparently, he's from Mass, right? He's, he is. Yes. Huh. So. Well, we wish him the best of luck. Uh, yeah, we don't sucks. hold that against him. It always sucks to get hemmed up, uh, no matter where you're from or where, what you're doing. Indeed, it does. <laughs> so uh, hopefully he beats that rap. And, you know, we got time for one more story. This is an interesting one. One of the big pet peeves that a lot of people have right now are these uh, sort of legal robberies, civil forfeiture. Uh, police oh, the sort police of police taking your stuff. Take your property. And then not even being – not having to prove that you even committed a crime. Exactly. Yeah. There's no accountability. It's it's a really disturbing uh, trend that's been mm-hmm. happening in law enforcement over the last you know couple decades. So this interesting story comes from Michigan. A woman who delivers pizzas for a living was tipped like a, a, a little 20 sack of weed for bringing the pizza. She didn't know she was going to get it. She it was, was just tip. given it. It was a tip. Okay. Uh, she got pulled over. They found it, and they took her car. It was a 2007 Ford Focus. They took her car, and they sold it. And the uh, the local police department there kept the, the proceeds from that sale. That's kind of crazy that, crazy. I mean, that that's even allowed at well, all. She says, hey, you know, I, I wasn't buying pot. It wasn't u- the, the car wasn't used in a crime. I just happened to have it. So she took this case to court, to an appeals court. And they found in favor of her. They said that it wasn't right that they took her car. But now get this. They already sold her car, so she gets she doesn't get her car back, and she gets no financial restitution from this. It's, it's basically just a moral victory where oh the court says, hey, they shouldn't have done this to you. That's horrible. So let me get your thoughts on this, on civil forfeiture in general and on this case specifically. I mean the case is a travesty. There's no reason uh, you should be able to take someone's car because they have a little pot on them. That's stupid. That's – I mean – Clearly, she's not some drug dealer running around. Even then, it's a ridiculous thing. And, you know, Giuliani started this this whole thing with the mob. He, instead of, you know, he he changed it so if a gun is used in a crime, okay, you take the gun away. But then he expanded it to, okay, this pizza shop was used in a crime, so I'm going to take the pizza shop away. And he turned it into a, a, a money-making endeavor. That's basically what it is. They yeah, make their money by taking people's property and then liquidizing it, right? They and they don't it. even have to prove guilt. I mean, that's the thing. They keep they take the property, and then it's up to the person to to get their property back by proving they're innocent. And that's not the way our justice system's supposed to work. I mean, that's we're, you're supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. But oh, this person had twenty grand on them in their car. Maybe they're going to put a down payment on a house. Who? What do you? How do you know what they're using that money for? They take the money first, and then the burden of proof is on the person to prove why they had this money, and that it isn't drug proceeds or whatever. I mean, it's 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 outrageous. The founding fathers would not tolerate that sort of thing, and neither should we. To be honest, it's it's absolutely crazy. And hopefully, um, some of these things are going to be overturned. Like. Uh, you know, obviously mandatory minimums are no longer like a, a cool thing. And like they're starting to realize that locking people up 30 years for, you know, for nonviolent marijuana offenses is stupid. And so hopefully they're going to figure that out about this. I mean, you're basically giving the cops permission to rob people and get away with it. And they're more incentive the better. Like, I mean, the, well, those two things have been the backbone of the drug war for a number of years: you know, mandatory minimums and then civil forfeiture, where they're taking the money to fund it and they're locking people up. And I'll tell you another thing that they won't even talk about is that 
a lot of times they'll wait for the drugs to go up, you know, I-95 and be sold and turned into money so that then the money's coming back down and they'd rather, yeah, they'd rather take the the cash Mm -hmm. than the drugs because they can use the cash. cash. They can keep the cash. And but 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 you see that what that means is that they're letting the drugs go through and be sold and be used and be, you know, because because they're they would prefer that to yeah, catch them on the back end. Your point being that, that, that they don't believe that these drugs are a poison or they don't care if they, they are. Care. They want that money. They want and the that's money. That's the main thing. And so the the seizures are going to be a lot greater if you look into it uh, of money that's already drugs that have been turned into money. Rather than just the seizures of the drugs themselves, which are basically useless to the police unless, you know, they're so corrupt that they then turn around and sell the drugs. Well, what a pain in the ass. But even they that's a pain in the ass. Yeah, why not let someone else sell it, <laughs> turn it into money, and then take their money? I mean, and that's, that's the, the most cynical thing, you know, you can do is say, oh, well, uh, let's just wait until it's money and then take it away. You know, I, I don't know. It's just to me the whole system kind of needs a lot of overhaul and one of those things – would be to end asset seizure and forfeiture immediately. Well, as you said, uh, they are starting to make a little bit of a dent in these mandatory minimums. Uh, Celebrities are getting involved, and that's always a good sign if you want a cause (laughs) to catch fire. But in this case, I think the most telling aspect of this story is that despite the police not having to give her property back or pay her any money, the uh, the prosecutor's office is going to appeal the appeals court decision because you know this is going to set a precedent where they're going to have a harder time taking people's property and using their the, the cash that they get from it. Mm-hmm. So they're going to fight this decision tooth and nail. And this is all over $20 worth of pot. Ridiculous. Not even a uh, – it's a misdemeanor in, in Michigan. And Ridiculous. they have medical pot there too, so – how many people out there tip with pot? That's an interesting. I've done it. I, I guess I've done it. I mean, I've definitely done it. But yeah. you know, you have. I kind of have to like know it's going to work and be effective. You and don't want to do don't it, offend uh... somebody or freak somebody <laughs> out or or get yourself in or yeah trouble. or get yourself in trouble. Or, so in this case, you know, they they thought they were doing a great thing, tipping this lady, and then she ends up losing her car. It's it's, it's ridiculous. It's. It's silly. It's a silly thing to even be discussing, except for the fact that it actually occurred and occurs often, often. all the time. Yeah, in much much worse ways as well. I mean, where people have houses and and cars and things that have nothing to do with any crime taken away, and then the and then basically t- they're told, oh, well, you know, your lawyer will tell you that it costs more to get your stuff back than your stuff is worth. Well, and then in some I mean, cases, you sometimes know, you win a case and you don't even get your stuff back. <laughs> they just what, say, hey, you were wronged. Sorry. I, that doesn't make sense to me either. I mean, at well, least she, pay for a car, the equivalent of the car that you took away. I mean, that's... I think she, she has the the option of sort of taking this to civil court and maybe suing okay. the, the town and getting some money that way. But this appeals decision basically said, hey, the car is gone. The money is already spent. The cops get that. You get nothing, but you were but they were wrong. So... <laughs> yeah, wow. Do you have any personal experience in civil uh, forfeiture? Uh, yeah. I do actually. I mean, years and years ago, I had uh, you know some money that was taken off uh, away from me, uh, getting onto an air, airline, an airplane, and uh, never got it back because you know it would have cost. Like I said, it would have cost more more to, fight to get it. it to fight it. And then and the guy also, my lawyer said, "Do you really want to fight the cops?" You know, which is another thing to consider. I mean, do yeah. you want to be on their bad side and be, <laughs> you know, like suddenly. Have, get a target you know, on your back, yeah, yeah. possibly. So you know, so it's like okay, it's kiss the money goodbye and and start over. 
but it's unfortunate and and for some people it's you know li- a life changing thing you know um so yeah i mean i think it's just ridiculous and i think we should end civil asset forfeiture immediately agreed all right so uh, that's a bit of a look at what's going on in uh, marijuana news we're going to take a little break but boy we have a really interesting guest when we come back yeah, i'm excited about this yeah yeah ricky powell yeah, and ricky powell uh, of course you know, goes way back in New York City as a as a photographer and, uh-huh. and uh, sort of the fourth member of one of your favorite. The beastie, fourth Beastie Boy is like one of the things they call him. But you know, I mean, he's more than just that. He we'll we'll, we'll talk to him. He's he's uh, a photographer, a chronicler of uh, of New York street life and and hip hop and and skateboarding and all kinds of interesting um, New York City related you know subcultures and. Uh, he's just an interesting guy too, a very funny guy, a uh, friend of the Halfling's Leaf, and uh, uh, a, a great storyteller. So we will be back with Ricky Powell. All right, you guys, you know you want to grow pot. Do you have the space to do it? Do you have uh, an extra bedroom? Do you have an area to put put this in? Do you have a garage? You need a BC Northern Lights grow box. These things are self-contained. All the odor stays within. All the plants and everything stay within. They're amazing. They're made by our friends in uh, British Columbia, Canada. Um, There's the producer. There's the bloom box. And one of my favorites, the roommate, which is very, very compact and very easy to grow in and grows for well-sized plants that can definitely hook you up for months and months of smoking uh, enjoyment. Check them out. We love them. They're our wonderful sponsor, BC Northern Lights. Check them out at bcnorthernlights.com or 888-236-1266. The best grow boxes and the best customer service in the conjure business. All right, we are back, and we are here with a New York City legend. Ooh, really? <laughs> a worldwide legend? legend. A worldwide, worldwide. Legend, but a real New Yorker. Damn, Mr. Wow. Ricky Powell. Oh, dip, take the, a sip. Uh, you you might know him from uh, his show "Rapping with the Rickster." Wow. Uh, his photos, his many uh, photos of the Beastie Boys, Run DMC, uh, LL Cool J, Rakim. Listen. And, Everybody. My collection is a little more <laughs> diverse than that. Andy Warhol, uh, John Michel Basquiat, uh, cool Cindy Crawford. <laughs> yeah, cool dogs. A yep. lot of cool dogs. Dogs. Uh, regular New Yorkers. He's he's been around uh, here in the city shooting photographs uh, since the eighties at least. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm commemorating quote unquote thirty years of pro photos on a hangout tip. <laughs> Excellent. Over the years, you've been involved, uh, particularly in uh, that first sort of uh, era of uh, Beastie Boys, Def Jam. Um, you know, is that the first era officially? Well, no. I mean, there, obviously, there was an earlier hip hop era. era prior that to era. that. That but, era. But uh, I mean, I guess that would be where you first kind of made a name for yourself. Would be taking um, um, photos on the license, see, license to see. ill tour. All right, you're a little off. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna no because no you're close okay but um, I like if you're gonna put it like like that I kind of made a name for myself from Joe Schmuck to the Rickster <laughs> downtown photographer in let me see I started in spring of '85 uh-huh. officially I made the proclamation see I started just putting the camera around my neck I was uh, 
I was getting uh, Scorpio revenge on a chick who dissed me for a, di- for a dude with tie-dye yoga pants. <laughs> so I found a camera of hers in a bag in my room. And I said, I'm going to take this camera. I'm going to make this this uh, biatch. Uh, sorry, she played me like a soggy cannoli. So <laughs> I started taking the camera around. And actually that quote-unquote famous shot of Basquiat Warhol on the street, that was like my first big shot I took it kind of like hitting a home run at your first at bat in the majors <laughs> so then you know I was going around and then like uh, those magazines just say hey, you want to shoot our club section for us so I kind of went from Joe Schmuck to like you know just playground rat going to Hunter College for a phys ed degree regular dude you know neighborhood whatever Mm -hmm. to like the rickster photographer like the cool photographer from (laughs) so so how did how did you get involved with the beastie boys well i knew harvitz from growing up in the same neighborhood the west village his sister was in my grade he's five years younger yeah rachel she was in my fourth grade class mr ware she was real cutie pie (laughs) had a big crush on her Mm -hmm. Uh, she was cool and um so anyway PS41 schoolyard, the gates would be left open after school, so the whole community used the schoolyard on Greenwich Avenue and Charles Street. You know, people just running around, skate rats. He was Mm -hmm. like a little skate rat. So, known from there, as well. And and anyway, that fall, I said, I saw they were going to play at the the Grand, oh no, wait, the Cat Club Mm -hmm. on uh, 13th or 4th. And uh, I was like, oh, let me, let me go check out Adam and his, his little group here. And uh, they had just come off the Madonna tour like a virgin. So they were already rapping. They weren't doing, like, the punk rock stuff. Uh, No, they were already rapping. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they had Cookie Puss out. Right. Still a fucking dope song, <laughs> underground-sounding song, yeah. if you ask me. Um, so anyway, I went to go see them. It was, like, a big scene and packed. Everyone was, like... So psyched to see them. I remember seeing L, a young LL in a Georgetown basketball jacket. T- you know, they kept the crowd waiting. It was, and then all of a sudden the lights dropped, and then everyone went woo. And then uh, the big sound, the uh, the signature sound of uh, Def Jam, the 808 bass drum sound, dropped. Boom. And then the snares, and they came out like skipping and cursing and slinging beer, and the beats were dope. And I was right, right there in the front. And I was like, "Oh shit, I love this shit. I love them. <laughs> They're just like they look like me." Mm-hmm. So then I went back out. You know, they rocked it. And then afterwards, I wish I was taking pictures that night. Oof. Anyway, I uh, went backstage. I say, "Yo, Adam, yo, she was dope. Whatever." He's like, "Hey, thanks." You know, let me introduce you to Adam and Mike. So, I just, I don't know, somehow I just ended up like, you know, we go hanging out at at the world together. I just went along with them. So, that winter of 85, 86, I started hanging with them. And then that spring, they started bringing me on, like, you know, overnight gigs. Yo, we're going to D.C. tonight, 930 Club. You want to come? We'll be back after the show. Or Boston at the Spit Club, same thing. So... Uh, blah, blah, blah. And they were working on License to Ill through 86. And I was coming up. Now it's a year later I'm taking pictures. So anyway, that summer, I just graduated Hunter. My first job out of college was Frozade <laughs> vendor. It's like a lemon, lemon slush. I had a cart. cart. So one day, it's like July 7th or something, July 10th. 
and I'm out there in Sheridan Square, and it's barren. No one's out. It's fucking like a hundred degrees, humid. I'm sweltering under the fucking the canopy of the cart. And uh, I pull out USA Today. I open it up. Da da da. Here's a two-page spread. Raising Hell Tour. Run DMC. LL Cool J. Uh, Houdini and the Beastie Boys. And I was just looking at it. And I was like, I gotta be there. <laughs> I said, fuck this shit. And I rolled the card in to the east side. I uh, found out where they were. I saw whatever, and I, I just flew down on a, on a whim. To, to, I thought it, the gig was in Tampa, but the plane landed in St. Petersburg, and I didn't know where I was. It was like six at night now, five, six at night. I had like $40, half of it in change. Mm. And I went into this uh, bar with a lot of hillbilly types, like and uh, and I'm wearing a fucking... Like, you remember the shirts that look like a, a, a tuxedo? Yeah. With a cartoon. Yeah, this right. one had a Yankees, New York Yankees manager on the <laughs> stoop. My head would be, you know. Uh-huh. And, you know, they don't like the Yankees down there. Not at all. So I went into this bar. I said, excuse me. I slapped all my money on the counter. Most of it changed. I said, can anyone give me a lift to Tampa? And it's about 7, 8 o'clock now. And these two dudes said, yeah, we'll take you. So we get in the van or the car, the truck. I'm sitting in between them, and we're going, and it's nighttime. Then uh, we're on the highway, and then they veer off the highway. We go onto a dark road. I was like, oh, my God, I don't believe this. I'm looking at these guys on either side of me, and I start thinking of the movie Deliverance. (laughs) And then I was like, I don't believe this. What did I get myself into? And then all of a sudden, I see the top of the Tampa Dome in the distance. distance. (laughs) Yes. And I'm like, oh, shit, they actually brought me. So <laughs> they dropped me off. I was like, thanks. We had a nice, you know, northern-southern connection, bonding, harmonious. And then I went and knocked on the back of the the uh, the Tampa Dome. And then security guy came out and said, yeah. I'm like, yo, tell Adrock the Rickster's here. So he came back out in five minutes. He was like, oh, shit, yo, what are you doing here? I'm like, eh, I was in the neighborhood. <laughs> so... He brought me in. We went back around. It's like an arena, and like I never really saw a hip hop show in this big of a in an arena. So we go. I hear Peter Piper in the background, and then we open the door into the actual arena, and the sound was like, and it was like I see Jam Master J suspended in the air with his turntables in the middle of the arena doing a solo in the middle of Peter Piper, Peter Piper, with the crowd fucking screaming like jumping out the windows and I was like oh my god and then you know they gave me a bunk on the tour bus I went on that tour for a week right it's southeast New Orleans Tallahassee and then uh, there must have been a lot of uh, ganja smoking going on back yes then. <laughs> very much yeah it was a blast dude I really you know couldn't have found myself in a better situation <laughs> uh, especially next year on the License to Ill tour, they asked me to be the un, you know the official tour photographer. Right, and you shot some iconic photos from that. Yeah, and ended with, up uh, with you my know, little uh, auto jammy, mm-hmm. and you you ended up shooting some album uh, photos that they used in, in uh, sleeves, records. Sleeves, album sleeves. Yeah, I have the distinction the, of the first two sleeves, <laughs> License to Ill and Paul's Boutique, which is an incredible record, of course. Yeah, Paul's yeah. I mean, you know, I'm not mad. 
to be, you know. And it actually name checks you at one point uh, in, in yeah, the they car name, name drop me. And then they have a song called Ricky Steam also, yeah. right, for you? Yeah, that um, song I'm not crazy about. <laughs> <laughs> they made it for my TV show. I thought it was going to be upbeat and funky, like Sanford and Son theme. But it was like long and drawn out. Like <laughs> it sounded like chamber music. You know, I'm still, you know, believe me, flattered that they. Right. They should have made a remix, though. <laughs> if you ask me, not that I'm an expert on life, but. Another one of the uh, another one of the famous photos that you shot is uh, Easy E in the hotel oh, room, and he's rolling joints. Woo! Right? Man, could that guy roll a cannon? <laughs> yeah. Wow, yo! When I went to go interview him for Seconds Magazine. Mm-hmm. For uh, his little EP or some shit, I forgot the name. This is 1993. I go up to the uh, the Hilton on Sixth Avenue, off like 54th, uh-huh. 53rd. Knock on the door. Dude opens the door, comes out with a huge blunt, huge, <laughs> holding with two hands, presenting it to me like on a plate, on a platter. <laughs> he said, "For you, Ricky Powell." <laughs> I stood there in shock. I was like, what? Yo, this is going to be a fun interview. <laughs> so I went in and we fucking ended up hanging out, smoking, crazy, you know, just, dude had a whole, dude was definitely a cannabis lover and uh, An entrepreneur and <laughs> we got zooted. Woo! Anyway, the shot I have him with the radio, I call that Tune In Compton. It's a very, uh, you know, it's interesting to me. It's a very, very embraced people, you know. Uh, to me, it's interesting which one of my, I see my images, uh, people embrace. I can't believe it. You know, to me, those are just, you know, just people I come come up right, on in like my snapshots, travels. Snapshots of a time. Snapshots. You, know, mm-hmm. you were also hanging hang- out with people who were famous. Tell me a little bit about, uh, like, the marijuana scene in New York City in the 80s. Oh, actually, I started smoking young, like 11 or 12. My mom was a big pot smoker. Oh, wow. Ooh. We lived in Union Square. She always had, like, a, a pound of Mexican in, like, the bottom, like, where you put the fruit and the vegetables. Oh, the crisper. Yeah. <laughs> So, a lot of uh, seeds in that <laughs> shit. And I was the hero when I come go to house parties because I just pinch out of my mom's and bring some joints. <laughs> That's excellent. So mm. uh, pinching, pinching what? from your parents. <laughs> Is that that was a ritual growing up. Well, um, how how do people? How would people find out more about you, uh, like website wise, and uh, you know maybe just shout out mm. your. Mm. Uh, your Instagram and your, your wow, Twitter really? or whatever. I get to advertise myself. <laughs> I have you got, uh, you got RickyPowell.com. Right. And uh, on uh, Instagram, I am The Lazy Hustler, which perfectly describes me. <laughs> um, I'm Ricky Powell on Facebook. So, you know, I love, uh, I'm, in, I'm into Instagram. I love taking a picture of someone or a dog. And being able to put it right out there instead of holding it in a can- in a uh, roll of film that won't get developed. But uh, if they want to buy prints from me, they can always hit me up on rickypowell.com or DM me on Lazy Hustler. That's so you sell uh, like large frame signed, prints and sign prints. Uh, you know, sixteen by twenties. Nice. Any uh, any good uh, celeb celebrity smoking stories that you got or, or what about Beastie Boys I mean there was a, definitely a time when those guys uh, oh yeah especially Horvitz. Horvitz ooh he could smoke he could <laughs> roll bombs boy he was fun yeah he was fun he's, he's very he's very uh, 
very entertaining to to hang out with. He's very very intensely in, intelligent and witty. Mm-hmm. He's very diverse also as well in his uh, his his love on different subjects. So he was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, and um, obviously we lost uh, Yauk and Jam Master Jay. Do you have uh, fond memories Man, yeah. of uh, of those gentlemen? Yeah, I'm t- I mean, you know, I, I feel, especially looking back, I was very privileged to be around, you know, people like that. They were cool first as peoples, but that they were like cool musicians Mm-hmm. Or music people on top of that that made dope shit it doesn't get any better I and was really in like the perfect niche of people that you could be you know around you know in small doses you know like <laughs> anything uh, right. and success didn't change them as people right right very down to earth um, you know I remember you know hanging with either one of either one of them like you know, I remember one car drive I took with Yauk along a Pacific Coast Highway to Malibu in his black uh, Coupe de Ville, whatever. And I got some pictures from that ride, just me and him. And another time in Paris on 1987 in May when I was on the Together Forever tour with both groups, taking a, a long walk with Jam uh, Master Jay along Champs Elysees, you know, talking and walking and talking, taking pictures. And it's actually that was the same day I took pictures of them, my famous shot in front of the Eiffel Tower. Right. But me and him, you know, we just did a few. You know, I took that. I only took like five shots. I was like, yo, do me a favor. Just come over here. Just stand over here real quick. Come on, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> You'll thank me one day. So that was it with my point and shoot. And uh, then we went for a walk. And I got took some nice pictures in front of the Arc de Triomphe and everything, but right on. So check out RickyPowell dot com. Uh, you got any? Yeah, sort no, of but more than that, the Lazy Hustler. You see what I'm Lazy up Hustler to, on to Instagram. Any uh, any final words for the listeners? Um, yes. Do you act right? Um, keep it positive, and uh, let live and let live. Perfect. All right. Well, thanks, Ricky. Yes, and, sir. Uh, Thank you, Danny Danko. <laughs> Listen, you guys, there's no reason to grow swaggy pot. Really, you're wasting your time. So get good seeds. And the way to get good seeds is go to Gorilla Cannabis Seeds. That's G-O-R-I-L-L-A-Cannabis-Seeds.co.uk. They've been around for years. They have all kinds of special deals. They have free seeds that they give you, free rolling papers. They're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, all of those places, uh, eco-friendly packaging, very discreet, all kinds of freebies. Uh, every seed bank you can think of, um, feminized, autoflowering, high CBD, all kinds of amazing stuff. Also, remember to use promo code SWITCHER. That's S-W-I-T-C-H-E-R to get the following. Free Incredible Bulk Auto, free Samsara Flash Babylon, free Blueberry Twist, and free collection papers. That's free seeds and free papers everything you need to grow good weed so please get down with the gorilla g-o-r-i-l-l-a dash cannabis dash seeds dot co dot uk for all your seed needs
So, uh, again, our thanks to Ricky Powell for stopping by High Times headquarters. Yes, indeedy. Very cool of him. All right. So uh, we're going to get to the Q&A a little later uh, in this episode. But one of the questions got us thinking about Strain of the Fortnite. Uh, Travis wrote us and said, thanks for doing the show. How can I get seeds for the Lamb's Breath featured in the top ten strains of 2015? So, uh, all right. Why don't we Why don't we discuss Lamb's Breath at length? So it is the strain of the. It Fortnite. is the strain of the Fortnite. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Well, it's Lamb's Breath. I know some people uh, have heard it referred to as Lamb's Bread. Um, yeah, it's Lamb's Breath. But that's breath, only right? because when Arasta says Lamb's Breath, it sounds like Lamb's Bread. <laughs> <laughs> they say Lamb's Bread, but. It's lamb's breath. See, now, I thought it was lamb's bread, like bread of the lamb, like some kind of See, religious... See, lambs don't make bread. No, but lamb of God, Jesus, oh, okay. and there's bread, and there's, and there's fishes, I, yeah. and no, loaves. it's lamb's breath, and, I believe. Okay. Uh, I don't know, you know, like, that's that's my uh, my contention, yeah. <laughs> anyway. No, I But it's old right. school. I mean, it's like one of those Jamaican old school strains. It's actually grown in the mountains of uh, Akampong by the Trelawney Town Maroons. <laughs> Uh, for many years, and these are, are uh, people who have been in Jamaica for you know hundreds hundreds of years that um, have been growing uh, marijuana. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty awesome. It is. Um, yeah. It's a high CBD strain, so people that are looking for CBD uh, should look no further. Uh, Lamb's Breath uh, is definitely making a comeback because basically this guy, uh, the guy in the Q and A, was asking where he could find it. Where he could find seeds of it. Yeah, exactly. And um, there's an organization called Old School Old School Breeders Association, and um, you can find them at oldschoolba.com. O l d s c h o o l b a dot com, uh, and they have these Jamaican land races. This is an inbred line. Um, it's definitely sativa dominant, um, as with most uh, Jamaican land race, uh, but it's got a pretty short flowering time. It's only seven to eight weeks. So. Um, you know, obviously it's not going to be one of those long, long flowering, wispy sativas. Um, it's sweet. It's earthy. Um, definitely got that uplifting, um, cerebral high, um, that people know from those old strains. Uh, and it's nice to have it now in seed form. So it's pretty interesting that, uh, this, you know, old timer strain, this like sativa of yesteryear is now, uh, available to anybody who wants it and uh you know that potent electrical buzz that you get from from uh you know ibls inbred lines and, and land race uh, sativas is amazing um if you're growing it uh you want you want to put it in a basically a dry outdoor climate you want to kind of mimic uh jamaican environment basically uh it's better off not being confined to pots if you're doing that too um you know dig a really deep hole fill the hole um, with the quality uh, soil and, and amendments and things like that, and let the roots just uh, go nuts because uh, in in a proper environment with full sun and plenty of watering, you can definitely grow some monster plants out of the lamb's breath. So yeah, that's the island genetics, man. Uh, get your hands on some of it. If you want to try some uh, before you buy some, come down to the Rastafari Roots Fest hosting the High Times Jamaica Cannabis Cup, uh, World Cannabis Cup. Um, tickets at CannabisCup.com. But if you just want to get these seeds um, from the Old School Breeders Association, go to oldschoolba.com uh, and check out the Lamb's Breath Jamaican Seeds. 
Yeah, definitely. And, you know, if you picked up the December issue, uh, this, of course, was one of Dan's top ten strains of the year. And you see the photo there, and it's just – it's got that real iconic-looking kind of um, – not super wispy, but definitely sativa, lamb's breath-looking buds. It's really cool. <laughs> you could also check out HighTimes.com where we have a little video tribute to the top ten strains of the year. Uh, always one of my favorites to put together. It just kind of flows through all the, the – the 10 strains and these beautiful high res shots. So and it's got my voice. Actually, this one doesn't, this is just oh. like, it's like a music video oh, for oh, oh. you did a December issue preview Issue preview. Okay. Yeah. So the top 10 strains is just music and right. strains. If okay. you're looking so for better. Dan's voice, go to the, the <laughs> December 2015 issue preview. Okay. So, uh, last week we kind of hopped in the grow room time machine and solved some of your pot problems. But this week we're going to do a little fill in the blank and the subject is harvest, right? Because this, this is a good time of year to talk Now's about harvest. Yeah, everyone's harvesting, and uh, hopefully they're doing it properly, but maybe it's their first time and they have some questions and, and it's confusing. There's a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of conflicting information out there. So um, we figured we'd fill in the blanks on uh, harvesting, drying, curing, the whole process. Yeah, we're going to mislead you further. So <laughs> No, I'm sorry. We're going to straighten you out. So uh, number one. I know it's time to harvest when I notice blank. Uh, cloudy trichomes is cloudy what trichomes. I, I would say. Some people – there's all kinds of, like I said, conflicting stuff about red hairs and things like that. The most important thing is the trichome, uh, the essential oils that are held within that trichome. Uh, basically, as the trichome forms, uh, it forms a gland head uh, and stalk, and the head begins to swell. Um, at that point, there's it's clear. You can see through it. Um, but as the plant begins to mature, the gland, the gland head goes from cl uh, clear to cloudy, like white cloudy. Uh, and eventually it will go to amber, you know, kind of like the color of nice shatter or something like that golden Is it reddish. too late when it gets to amber? Basically, I, be I, I think so. Um, I think you want – I mean obviously there's going to be some that are amber. You want the majority of them to be cloudy. There's still going to be some clear ones too. I mean it doesn't happen instantly all over the plant all at once. Um, and typically it will happen top down a little bit as well. So um, – and you can harvest like that also if you want to just harvest you know, the three or four of the big tops um, and hang those and, and then let some of the rest go a little longer. People do that as well. Um, but basically – uh, I think if you let it go too long and you have uh, maybe, say, 50% amber trichomes, you're going to have a much more lethargic high. So if that's what you're looking for, um, you can let it go a little longer. Now, if you're making concentrates, you want to go a little shorter maybe when they just start going cloudy because, you know, you want your concentrates to be a little clear colored. And that's kind of one of the secrets to a lighter colored, uh, you know, shatter or butter. Uh, so, yeah, I would say cloudy trichomes and this is not something you you can see with the naked eye you really you really need uh at the very least uh, a photographer's loop or a magnifying glass um but even preferably would be something like a magnifier that can get you you know 30 times 50 times 100 times whatever you can do to get as close in there as possible and get a really good representative uh of trichomes from all over a plant you know you you, like I said, it could be different uh, at different levels of the plant. So, really get to uh, get take your you know loop and look at uh, various p parts of your garden in order to determine ripeness. All right, uh, let's go to the next one here. Next statement: blank leads to uneven drying. 
Uh, yeah, this is something I see people do a lot is instead of hanging plants to dry, um, they'll lay them out on racks or something like that. And what happens is if it's laid out, even if it's laid on, on a, uh, you know, like that soft uh, silk screen or something like that, which mm. people sometimes use, doesn't matter. It's a flat surface. And what happens is the, uh, the plant is mostly moist. It's mostly water. And so as it dries, it just becomes flat on that one side that that's touching the, the surface. And it's becoming kind of like flat on one side and then dry on the other. And it, it causes this like unevenness and it, co- it can cause mold on the flat surface side. Um, and basically it just it, – it's, it's a bad idea because basically you take half of your bud. You take like the one side of every cola and make it like this kind of flat – uh, moist um, barrier that slows the, the the drying down to a level where um, you could be encouraging mold and things like that. So my recommendation, and I mean this is most people, what most people do is hang the branches to dry um, so that they have 360 degrees of air around them, um, and that way they'll dry evenly. The moisture will, will pull out evenly rather than... Uh, than unevenly when you f- when you lay the buds flat to dry. All right, so lay- laying the buds flat to dry is the answer there, the fill in the blank, and that leads to uneven drying. Uh, okay, let's move on to our next one here. The best time to pull your fan leaves off after harvest is blank. What do you think? I personally think right after, right as you harvest, um, personally, but it's kind of a matter of uh, of taste and personal opinion. I mean, some people uh, like to trim wet some people like to trim dry i think trimming dry has its advantages in that the 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 buds are going to dry a little bit slower because there's more material there um with moisture in it so it's going to take longer to work its way out um which is sometimes desirable if especially if you're in a place where it might dry too quickly um but it becomes more difficult to trim because as the leaves dry particularly the uh you know the sugar leaves the leaves that are close to the buds as they dry, they sort of curl in and cover the buds. Now, I know some people who are, you know, growing for their head stash, they'll leave that those leaves on just sort of to protect the bud, and then before they roll a joint out, out of the bud or something, they'll just clip off the leaves. Oh, so they, like, cure with it and everything? Yeah. Okay. I mean, they just sort of do that because they, they believe, and, I mean, they're probably right, um, that having those leaves on the outside sort of protects the bud on the inside. Um, like a like a wrapper, like a wrapper kind of, but they yeah. take it off before they grind it up to smoke it because they don't want to smoke that leaf material. Um, and you can use those sugar leaves obviously to make hash and and to cook with and things like that. Um, so that's like for headstash people, but people that are growing for you know for sale or for uh, dispensary you know type production, uh, they're going to want to trim. I think wet because uh, it's just so much easier when they when the plants have that moisture in the leaves and they're sticking straight out from the buds it's 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 an easier trim process and you're taking some of the water out but uh you're drying a little bit quicker in that way but you're saving yourself a lot of trouble and a lot of time trimming um buds that have already uh leaves that have already sort of curled up around the bud and so that becomes more difficult all right very good danko advocating wet trim let's move on to uh number four here you know it's time to begin curing your buds when the stems blank when they snap instead of bending i know you guys might have might hear this a lot but it's important and uh you really want it to be right as they first uh begin to snap so 
every once in a while, you know, you want to go in there and just, you know, bend them. Uh, and if they bend, leave them drying, you know, leave them up there hanging. And when they snap, you feel like, you know, there's a rigidity to the stem. Um, that's when you know you can uh, then trim those buds off and begin the curing process. And that's important. You don't want to cure big, long, huge branches. You want to cut the buds off and uh, individually, basically, as or as individually as you can, and put those individual buds into jars to, to uh, cure rather than uh, having a lot of lumber, like a big, long stem in the middle or, you know, a bunch of... Uh, buds on one big long stem so there's two trimming processes basically in 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 a perfect uh world where basically you wet trim the uh fan leaves and the sugar leaves off and dry branches whole and then when it comes time to cure you then trim the buds off the branches and put those into jars to cure but like i said you do that when the stem uh snaps instead of bending all right, so uh, that's how you know when to begin your cure. And uh, last one, last fill in the blank for today. Mm-hmm. Blank is the single most important aspect of curing. Oh. Yeah. I would say airtight sealed curing glass jars. Uh, that's important, I so think. So not, not your paper bags. No paper bags. We talked about that before. But also no uh, you know, Tupperware container, no plastic, no uh, you know, none of that especially no plastic baggies or anything like that. Um, nothing that permeates. Um, glass jars are perfect because they don't, they, nothing gets through. No air, they're airtight. And that's a very important thing. Now, of course, you got to burp the jars. You got to open them up. You got to let the air out, um, you know, at least once a day, possibly more, depending on, you know, how moist the buds are. But, uh, but if, the, if the container itself isn't airtight, and this goes for glass jars too. If your glass jar is not airtight, um, and air is just constantly seeping out, your buds are going to dry to dust and they're just not going to cure properly and it's going to taste bad and, and burn bad. And that's the important thing about curing is it really, it just brings out and enhances all the, the flavonoids and terpenoids and all the things that, that make cannabis unique and flavorful and tasty. And uh, not for nothing, but it also just, I think, affects potency as well. I mean, I think a, a, a proper cured bud is stronger than you know something particularly because an improper bud just won't burn right and you know you just won't be inhaling all of the essential oils that you could be if it was burning properly so yeah it's important to have um sealed container um i prefer opaque glass jars opaque meaning something that doesn't let light in um keep them in a cool dark place certainly not um out in the light at all because light degrades THC. So last thing you want to do, you know, when you're that close to the finish line is do something that's going to slow you down and and degrade the quality of the product that you already spent three months plus to produce, you know? So, um, curing is important and having a sealed glass jar is very important. Um, certainly no paper or plastic. Um, it should be involved in that. And then, uh, and then you know, once you're cured properly, you smoke that bud, and you will taste the difference, and you will feel the difference. It's just far more superior. Yeah, and as we've we've said over and over on this show, uh, don't blow the cure. Make sure you stick the landing. You did all the work. You put in all the time. Mm-hmm. Make sure you get that cure right. So it's absolutely, and you know, most uh, marijuana that you get is not cured. Most of the stuff that we get from you know outdoor Cali or whatever it might, wherever it might come from. Most of it's not cured. It's only the connoisseur quality stuff that actually gets put into jars and actually sweated out. 
And so that's what I mean by you'll see the difference because growing your own and curing it yourself uh, just takes it from, you know, B or C grade, you know, being what you, you're used to, to having A grade bud all the time, legend grade. I mean, that's, that's the important thing. That's what we're after. It, not just free weed, but free good weed. Right, so <laughs> we're just, changing the name of the show. It's not that catchy. <laughs> free good weed. Free good weed. Yeah. All keep, right. Keep that bammer. <laughs> oh, yeah. there you go. You can lock that stuff up. On a side note, wasn't the flavonoid the the character that ruined Domino's pizzas? Avoid the noid. Yeah. yeah. See, in this case, you don't want to avoid the. Every noid. time you say yeah. flavonoid, I think of that little like well, gremlin. Terpenes or terpenoids? That, no, you, I know. You're talking about just, just that little noid. It just guy. comes out and like smashes a pizza. It just. It, it was that weird. was an ill-advised campaign. It was, right? Yeah. Except it stuck with me. Yeah, you remembered it now. Yeah. Does it make you want to buy Domino's, though? No, it like haunts <laughs> my dreams. All right, that was fill in the blank. Um, let's move on to uh, my favorite part of the show, listener questions answered by Danny Danko on free weed. Yes. All right, great. So uh, Travis, who, uh, who reminded us earlier about lamb's breath and uh, asked about seeds, mm-hmm. he... That's a bit of a bone to pick with us about our little political rant from oh, last week. Yeah, no, I heard from a few people, and I understand. <laughs> Got a little out of hand. Yeah, we probably <laughs> will agree to disagree, maybe yeah, or maybe whatever we'll it might just... be, or maybe we'll agree. I don't know, but yeah. Well, anyway, Travis is a Washington D.C. guy, and he writes. Uh, okay, so if you didn't listen last week, uh, Dan was making the point that uh, that Ralph Nader. Uh, really kind of disrupted things and maybe worked against um, our our best interest as Democrats. So Travis writes, uh, Nader was how long ago? Are we living in the information age? What about how society <laughs> deals with technology and automation? Is HRC, I guess that's Hillary Rodham Clinton, is HRC prepared to lead this nation in those headwaters? Been growing at a more and more and more rapid rate for 30 years now. It seems Bernie's ideas are the path forward. I know you agree, but we can't pander to HRC at this moment. Uh, we have to let things play out a little and give encouragement where we can. So uh, so there you go. <laughs> I mean, like I said, I don't think I'm pandering. I understand uh, if, if, if uh, you know, if his purpose, if Bernie's purpose is to pull Hillary to the left, that's great. And she needs to be pulled to the left. And I'm I fully agree with, you know. I would say 99%, if not 100% of his policies and will vote for him in the primary if given the opportunity. Um, But I'm also realistic about politics. I do think Wall Street needs to be reined in. I do think, you know, we need to rethink wages. I think we need to rethink all this warmongering. There's all kinds of things that we need to do. And all of these things politically happen on a glacial scale. And so changes don't happen the way that you think they're going to when you're young. Um, it's just not that way. And maybe that's cynical. I don't know. But the reality is uh, the Democratic candidate, you know, that wins the primaries is going to be Hillary. I'm, and that's just the reality that's, you know, not changing. <laughs> so I and, and, you know, feel free to campaign and vote and donate and do all those things. But also be realistic about what's happening. You know, it's the politics is the art of the possible. And what's possible is different from what's perfect. And you can't let the perfect be the enemy of the good, right? And I know a lot of people don't don't have a lot of love for Hillary. I personally don't have a lot of love for her either. I think it'd be great to have a woman president. I think it would be um, – she would be better than any of the other candidates running besides Bernie that I know of. So 
you know, when we'll see how the primary pans out. If he wins the primaries and is the candidate, more power to him, and I'll support him and vote for him and everything and campaign and everything else. I just have a more realistic view that I don't think uh, I don't think he's going to cut it in the South where Hillary has so much power and support. All right, so let's let's get off of that because I, <laughs> I, I want you to get on your soapbox, but not about politics. I want you to do it to this. We got a little letter here from. Um, from uh, our our audio engineer at large, he calls himself a uh, guidance counselor. Hola, oh, nice. Batman and Robin. So, of course, that's uh, me, Batman, you, Robin. Uh, I appreciate the breeding tips you've been dropping in the last few episodes. I still hope to see a full episode on that someday. In the meantime, I read the best ever Reefer Madness article. It's from a Cincinnati, Ohio-based website. Please call these people out. So, just to be fair, this is like an opinion piece. You know, anyone can write like in and say something. Yeah, yeah, it it's a letter. Like it's a letter. It was on Cincinnati.com, but it's not their editorial. It's, right. it's from a reader. But I'm going to read it to you, and then I'm going to let you uh, have a rebuttal. Okay? So this <laughs> is right. the letter. Okay. Uh, Marijuana leads to cocaine, heroin abuse. Wow. And it starts, uh, I said to my wife that I could not imagine a person suddenly deciding to stick a needle in their arm and inject heroin. But now I understand how it works. First... A person tries marijuana, and they get a high, but then they take more and more marijuana to feed the need for a greater high. So then they try cocaine. Yeah, of course. The next step, they try cocaine, which gives them a greater high, but then they take more and more cocaine and feel the need for a greater high. So finally, in order to get the greater high, they stick a needle of heroin in their arm. (laughs) For some, they need more and more heroin to attain the high. Many Ohioans... Ohioans? Many Ohioans have overdosed on heroin and died. And now we want to legalize marijuana? Why? That's uh, from William in uh, Indian Hill, Ohio. Wow. So, Dan, uh, you get the rebuttal. Well, first off, I think that's bullshit. I don't think this guy has a wife. <laughs> <laughs> well played, kidding. sir. No, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, everything in that is ridiculous. Everyone knows that to be not true. This is just some reefer badness type stuff that they're putting out um, in advance of this vote that's going to happen to legalize. Um, yeah, it's just ridiculous. Um, we've been hearing the same, you know, gateway drug theory. It's been debunked a hundred times. Uh, I don't know. Everyone I know in my life that smokes pot smokes pot. You know what I mean? As far as sticking needles in their arms, like that would be a problem. That would definitely be a problem for me. So I, I don't, I haven't experienced this. Now, do people who abuse heroin and cocaine have they smoked pot? It's possible. It's probable. Well, that's the whole but gateway theory. Have they it's taken alcohol? Probable. Have they used, right. you know, nicotine and and caffeine? Probably too. I, I just, I don't get it. And if anything, that argument just means marijuana should be legal because. Here's this non-toxic, safe thing to do that we've made illegal, and when people try it, then they think, oh, well, the government's lying to me about cocaine and heroin. I should try those because, you know, they lied to me about pot, and it's awesome. (laughs) Maybe the cocaine and heroin is awesome. You know, it's like a perfect argument for legalizing marijuana is, I mean, is the idea that that somehow it's going to lead to these other drugs because – I think, honestly, I think if, when you legalize marijuana, you're going to see a drop in hard drug use. You're going to see a drop in cigarette uh, smoking, a drop in alcohol abuse, and a drop in pharmaceutical drug abuse. Um, because I think if people have access to marijuana anytime they want, and it's high quality and good, you know, then 
there's no need for any of those other things. And I think you're going to see a precipitous drop off. And I think that's already happened in places like Colorado. I think, you know, you're seeing 20% less DUIs. You're seeing people, you know, you're just seeing less, uh, uh, you know, people go headed towards more abusive uh, type situations. And I think that's because marijuana is legal in those places. And so I don't know. I, I could talk about this on and on, but this guy's an idiot. <laughs> and I would really kind of don't even want to justify this type of stupid stuff by no, even responding. I mean, it's like... There are a few I mean, theories that have been more thoroughly debunked than the gateway theory. It and is, it's like it's, a greater, this point, complete nonsense. And it's saying a greater high. I don't consider cocaine and heroin to be a greater high. I mean, it might be stronger, yes, but greater? But this I mean, is somebody who ridiculous. has no Marijuana experience with anything he's talking about, no. just assuming that A plus B equals C and yeah. so on and so it's forth. Ridiculous. So anyway... Guidance counselor, we appreciate you uh, finding this and bringing it to our attention. But um, I think the bottom line is there are a lot of idiots out there, and uh, this is the great victory of the drug wars that to this day, after all of these years, they've still convinced people to view marijuana as this extreme evil. Right. So if anything I've seen in my experience, marijuana is the gateway back from (laughs) things like this. Like I've seen people who were, uh, you know, uh, abusing things like heroin and cocaine or pharmaceuticals or alcohol. Uh, and now they come up to me and tell me that marijuana saved their life. I mean, I've had, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that from people um, that they would, they were going down the wrong road. And for whatever reason, you know, they tried pot and it helped and they kept smoking and now they're off those things. And that even includes, you know, vets that, that were considering suicide and things like that. I mean, you're talking about life and death and to play around and joke around and have these, you know, morons writing these pieces about marijuana leading to hard drug use is insanity. And the fact that that's their best argument only goes to show that we're going to win this thing uh, sooner rather than later. If these are, if this is like the, the, the best that they can do, you know, eggs frying and, and brains on drugs <laughs> and all that. I mean, it's it's laughable if it wasn't if so many if so many lives weren't negatively affected it it would be satire it would be a joke it would be laughable and one day we're going to look back and say what the hell was wrong with us what, what how do we get this all so wrong for over 70 something years you know so i mean that's what we, that's how we look at alcohol prohibition right there's nobody looks back and says hey that was a good idea why don't we <laughs> why don't we revisit that you know What's amazing no, about it, it is was that the it failed the noble experiment, you know, but yeah. it failed. And it failed for a reason because all these people But talk about not learning from from the mistakes that you make. Yeah. I mean it's an exact parallel. Right. You have something that was made illegal <laughs> that encouraged crime and the mafia expanded and, and it's exactly what's happening with the drug war. It's amazing that the drug war has lasted as long as it has. Yeah. Well, you know, it's self perpetuating. It, it it fuels itself. You know what I mean? Yeah. The more you throw into that pit, the the the, the bigger that thing has to get. And, you mm. know, the monster just the high keep, gets greater. The high gets greater, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. For for the prohibitionists and the lawyers and the judges and the police unions and the prison guards and the prosecutors and the people doing drug testing and the people at the pharmaceutical companies and the people who uh, are at the you know drug treatment facilities where if you get caught with some pot you get forced into these facilities where with with people who are hard drug addicts and need help you know i don't know it's all it's it's a huge beast but thankfully um thankfully you know we're seeing positive changes and thankfully once again we have that alternative 
I'm moving to Canada, which has <laughs> <laughs> been absent from our lives for a long time. Um, so thank you, guidance counselor. Screw you, William. Let's move on to Tyson. Uh, hey, guys, I just discovered your podcast, and now I'm addicted. Uh, thanks for the extremely helpful oh, information. See? It's a gateway podcast. <laughs> <laughs> It's going to lead to harder podcasts like Joe Rogan. Oh, no. no. Watch out. That's like three hours a day. Right? Uh, that's that, a lot. Yeah, yeah. That, that can really. Once you step into that <laughs> insanity. Um, all right, yeah, he's going to need like a video podcast next. And... <laughs> all right. He's going to have to step it up. All right. So he says, uh, I think it was DJ Short who was saying on one of your Cannabis Cup podcasts that it takes only two generations to breed out the hermaphroditic tendencies from a uh, from pollinated seeds if this is true do any breeders ever purposefully hermy out a clone so that they could use the pollen to breed with uh so he's got a follow-up but what do you think about that uh i think there's some confusion there because i i, I don't agree that you could i i mean i'm not sure if dj said that or not but i think you're going to need a few more generations to breed yeah, it seems really hermaphrodism out of some uh, seeds that have that tendency now as far as Making sure, maybe he's saying making sure that it doesn't have that tendency. Yeah, you would definitely want to look at a few generations worth. Um, uh, if you're basically just trying to confirm that you have a stable uh, seeds, right? And as far as the other side, um, poll- uh, forcing plants to to pollinate themselves. I mean, yeah, absolutely. That's how uh, feminized seeds are made. And that's called selfing. So that becomes like an S1 um, rather than an F1. Um, when you cross, you know, when you force a, a female plant to hermaphrodite, use that pollen um, on that same plant or on any other plant, basically, um, you're basically taking, you know, what ostensibly is female genetics that has, you know, produced male pollen without male DNA, right? So you're going to have half females and half hermaphrodites, and then you're going to have to work your way back to you know, hundred percent females, um, which is not easy and not recommended for the amateur either. So, you know, let leave that to the breeders and, and, you know, <laughs> buy the seeds you like, get, get some, get a stable of really amazing mother plants and just grow all only the stuff that you really want to grow. Don't waste your time growing swag. Agreed. And then he has a follow up here. I guess this is sort of uh, with Halloween right around the corner. He writes, uh, would it be a grower's taboo to graft four or five different strains onto the same stock and force that plant to become a hermaphrodite, creating a sort of Frankenstein plant with mystery seeds? Oh, well, that's far out, man. Yeah, I mean, grafting in cannabis, grafting works. You know, people, I've seen grafted plants. Uh, it's it's not ideal. It's not something you really want to do. Um, I know they do this with fruit trees a lot, you know, and obviously, you know, fruit and uh, grapes and things like that are um, all grown from grafts. Uh, but cannabis, I just, I don't think it's, you know, it takes so long to recover from, from a graft. It's like you do that with, with perennials. You don't really do that with annuals, you know, a tree that's going to be there for 30 or 40 years. It makes sense. But, a a, a ganja plant that's, you know, has a, a life of, you know, eight months tops, basically, unless it's a mom, um, it doesn't really make sense to do grafting on it. I mean, it's an interesting experiment, and it would be something cool to see, right? Um, but as far as pollinating all those branches, um, yeah, I mean, you're going to get, you're going to get from whatever branch, you're going to get the DNA of um, whatever that original parent plant was that you took the graft from. So you would be able to get different seeds all from ostensibly what you would look like the same plant. 
but it seems like a lot of trouble to go through for kind of for novelty's sake. Right. Yeah, yeah it I does sound like a novelty thing. So. Yeah. But interesting. And he goes on to just say, I'm really curious about breeding, but I don't want to dilute the gene pool due to bad practices. So uh, thank you, Tyson. That's that's an interesting question. And uh, I think would be an interesting experiment if you had the time. So let's move on to, uh, let's say, a reader who doesn't give his name. Hey, Danny and Mike, greetings from Michigan. Huge fan of the show. I've listened to every podcast. Wow. Okay, so his question is, uh, when growing in soil, when is the right time to start flushing the plants at the end of, the f- of flowering in order to achieve clean burning medicine, you know, the kind that burns to a white ash? Mm-hmm. And do any of the flushing chemicals on the market actually help the flushing process? So what do you think? What, what helps with that nice clean burn? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd say two weeks before you plan to cut the plants down. Um, and again, this, this comes into a kind of a, a feel thing where... Um, once you get to know a strain, you really understand how it behaves and performs week after week, and you'll know. Okay, it's week six. I'm going to take it down week eight, um, so I got to start the flushing process now. Uh, but it's intuitive to when you plan to take the plant down. If you're taking it down week nine, then you would start week seven, and uh, that sort. Of, and you can go more than two weeks uh, with soil too, because especially if you've overfed the plants at all at any point and you've had some burnt tips or anything like that uh on the leaves in that case you know there's still a lot of uh salts and things in that soil um that you can that you can leach out of there by just using plain water and no i don't recommend any uh of the uh um flushing products uh, i don't think it's necessary i think plain water that's you know basically ph balanced or, or yeah, adjusted to uh, maybe not seven, obviously, but like six, two, six, three around there if you need to adjust it. Uh, and just use plain water um, and just really let the water flow out the bottom. And, um, you know, if you see yellowing and, and fall coloring and things, don't get too freaked out uh, unless it's really severe. Um, but you should definitely start seeing the leaves start to change colors and because that's the chlorophyll that's leaving. And that's all the stuff that you're trying to get out of there anyways. Because um, you're in the final stretch and you're really just trying to make a clean burning product. Like you said, the clean white ash comes from a really good flush and a really good cure. And those are the two ways you can do that. And the only other way you can you can benefit is to underfeed basically during the growing cycle. Um, you know, err on the side of feeding less than feeding more. Um, and that way you'll have less that you eventually have to flush out. And the plant won't be as as laden with salts and and minerals and things like that. So, yeah, I mean that's my recommendation is about give it a, at least about two weeks. I would say if you really want clean uh, burning bud. All right. Well, there you go. Um, uh, he also wants some stickers. So you're sort of like the Oprah of uh, free weed you stickers. You get a sticker. You get a sticker. <laughs> you yeah, get a I sticker con, and you get a sticker. Yeah. Everyone does. We've got time for one more question, so let's jump right in. It's from Glenn. Hello, Danny and Mike. I want to sincerely thank you for the invaluable information you deliver via your podcast. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I also want to encourage you to maintain your integrity in being consistent with release of future episodes. So there you go. He likes the weekly uh, He does like the, the weekly, weekly drop. Yes. So his question is, uh, when seeds are purchased, they often have a claim of weeks or days to harvest, nine weeks, 55 days, etc. What does this metric mean precisely? Does this mean 
From the time a seed is planted, it would take nine total weeks to veg, flower, and harvest. Or does it mean that from the time the lights are switched to a flowering cycle, it'll then take nine weeks to finish? What I'm really trying to determine is when shopping for seeds and looking at those short week or day uh, claims, should I really be adding additional time uh, to them for germination and vegetative growth phases? So what do you think? Uh, well, the answer to the last question is yes. Um, and basically, it's the second thing that you said. Uh, flowering times uh, that are listed um, on seed packs or on websites that are talking about seeds start when you cut the cycle to 12-12. Um, because you determine the vegging cycle, you you can choose to have you can choose to veg for one week. You could choose to veg for three weeks. You could choose for, to veg for a month and a half. Um, that's basically up to you, based on how big you want the plants to be, how big their, your space is, uh, how big the container is that the plants are in. Um, so vegging time is completely determined by you, um, based on how you set your timer, um, and how much light you give the plant uh, per day. Now, when you cut that light back to 12-12, that starts the flowering process, and that's the point at which uh, the weeks that are listed or the days that are listed on the seeds, which are flowering times, um, uh, that's when those start. Not when you start seeing flowers, but when you actually cut the cycle, because you won't see flowers typically for at least about a week, sometimes two weeks, you, you'll start seeing, uh, because the plant, the plant is then transitioning from vegging into flowering. Um, so it'll stretch a bit more. It'll uh, continue to look like it's vegging for like a week. But w once you cut to twelve twelve, or as you know, DJ recommends eleven thirteen, <laughs> or whatever it might be, you, once you get down to your flowering time and you start that, that's when the countdown begins. So if you have an eight week flowering strain, it's eight weeks from that day um, that it should be finished. But those are also suggestions. It might be done in seven and a half. It could need nine. Um, it's a guideline. It's for, a guideline, yeah. exactly. And so, yeah, it's based on when you start the flowering process. So when you're buying the seeds, um, you're not buying uh, plants that grow to fruition in eight weeks. You're buying plants that flower in eight weeks. So you do have to factor in um, germination time and vegging time added on. All right. Very good. So thank you, Glenn. We hope that that helps you out there. And um, that does it for our uh, Q&A portion of this show. If you have a question that you would like Dan to answer on Free Weed, you could write us by email, freeweed at hightimes.com. You could also get us on Twitter. He is at Danny Danko. I am at MyQs underscore. We're not getting a lot of questions through Twitter, so uh, so hit us up there. We'll yeah. change things up a little bit. Hit us up and, like, you know, feel free to, you know, tell your friends about the show too and ever since we went weekly we're like you know we we want we want that to translate into more listeners mm. so if you appreciate you know the weekly drop you know let people know and 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 bring people to the show and we have a unique sort of a cycle where we like we build an audience and then alienate them <laughs> <laughs> and then try to rebuild it because we have that kind of faith in our abilities right yeah right so we're going to try to keep our integrity as glenn uh mentioned <laughs> we're also going to take a little break but when we come back we're going to wrap it up with raw yes All right, so we wrap it up with Raw, episode number 88. Hope you guys enjoyed. Um, thank you to our guests, uh, Ricky Powell, and uh, thank you to my co-host, Mike Hughes. Thank you to Jacques and Winstrom for the tunes. Thank you um, to everyone who sent us emails and questions and things like that. Yeah, 
So are we going to talk about the Cannabis Cup in Jamaica? We got some amazing acts. Yeah, we're going to do a full like Cannabis Cup update or cup date next week. But why don't you just uh, give a real quick breakdown of what we have. The musical lineup has been released for Jamaica, and it's ridiculous. Mighty Diamonds, Fred Locks, Taurus Riley, uh, Bushman, I Wayne, uh, John Nine, which is Janine Cunningham, and Peter Tosh's son, Jawara McIntosh, a.k.a. Tosh One, as well as the one and only Luciano, who is one of the greatest reggae singers of all time. So we're excited. Um, Jamaica's going to be crazy. Check out CannabisCup.com for more info. Uh, it's all on there right now. The schedule, the free live free weed episode that we're going to do uh, down there. It's going to be exciting and awesome and warm and sunny and beautiful. And we're just excited to be working with the Jamaican government and with the Rastafari uh, to put together an amazing event that's going to hopefully change things forever. Indeed. So uh, go check out CannabisCup.com for all the details there, as Dan mentioned, and we're looking forward to seeing you down in Jamaica. Yeah, man. It's been an awesome episode. You guys check us out. Facebook, Twitter, um, kicked off at Instagram, but hopefully that'll get reinstated. Uh, Email us at freeweed at hightimes.com. Um, my Twitter, Danny at Danny Danko. Mike's is at Mike Hughes underscore. And I think we can put this one in the books. Is that, are we there? We're there. We're there. Put it away. Roll it up with raw, wrap it up with raw and put it in the books. Smoke it, fire it up, come along and take hits from the bomb.